since I was afraid not of death, but of being bored before dying. Welcome back. You are listening to Let It Out, a podcast hosted by me, Katie Delbout. Every week I talk to fascinating people that I want to get to know more and ask them whatever I'm curious about in a long form conversation. And today is just that. It's a long one, you guys. I've known today's guest, Jess Lively, for years. We've been talking about having her on the podcast for years, and finally it happened. We both grew up in Michigan, and she was actually with me the day I met my boyfriend at an Elizabeth Gilbert talk in Michigan. I knew that we both loved Elizabeth Gilbert, and her book, Big Magic, which I love, had just come out and she was on the book tour for that and was stopping in Detroit. And since then, Jess has traveled all over the world in her very own Eat, Pray, Love-esque adventure. She's actually had Elizabeth Gilbert on her podcast. I'll link to that. And so much has changed since that day. At that time, we were both in really interesting places in our lives, and I'm so happy that our paths overlapped in Michigan when they did, and we went to see that talk together for so many reasons. And after that talk, we went to get tacos and just became friends. And I somehow shared with her offhand about Abraham Hicks. And I bring that up because it comes up quite a bit in this episode, and I want to explain it a bit here at the top. You might have heard me mention Abraham Hicks before on the podcast, or maybe you just know about them on your own, or maybe you listen to Jess's podcast, in which case you definitely know about them. But if you don't, I'm going to explain Abraham because, like I said, it comes up. And after I mentioned Abraham Hicks to Jess that day over tacos, she ended up actually And I almost, I say this in the episode, but I almost didn't bring it up to her, but for some reason I did. She ended up immersing herself in the work of Abraham Hicks and the law of attraction and implementing their concepts and many, many more teachers around the concept of manifestation and the law of attraction and so many other modalities. She's really snowballed all of this. And she was already someone into intuition and intention in her work, but it really changed direction after that day, really. And not at all that I was a part of that or led her on that. She was already about to go traveling and learn so many more things, but I think I was the one that turned her on to Abraham Hicks specifically. And she has this very unique ability and skill and talent to distill heady esoteric content into practical terms, which Abraham Hicks is heady and sometimes esoteric, even though it's very simple and I love it. But she was really able to distill it to people through her podcast, through her work that is so beyond anything that 
I was able to do. So it was really cool to see something I mentioned in passing become such a huge part of her life. And before we get into this episode where we talk about death and loneliness and fear of not having enough time and fear of having too much time, we talk about body and food and we talk about abundance and money. And it was not really anything I was expecting (laughs) to talk about with Jess, but it was better and different and a really cool conversation and a long one. So I want to quickly, briefly explain Abraham Hicks a bit for anyone who isn't familiar with him. If you are and you want to get to this episode, just, you know, that's what the 15 second forward button is for. But if you're not, I'll tell you how I discovered Abraham Hicks. And it was about 2012. And I have no idea really exactly how, but again, it's kind of bizarre. Basically, what Abraham Hicks is, is a woman named Esther Hicks channels an entity of spirits that she calls Abraham, and they call Abraham. There are hundreds and hundreds of hours of content on YouTube of her answering questions as Abraham. She channels this very wise work through her, these really wise way of articulating information and they or she, Esther, however you want to look at it, if the container is too weird for you, just take in the content. And maybe this isn't for you at all. You'll still like this episode with Jess, but Abraham Hicks has written many, many books and I've read or listened to all of them multiple times. It's such potent, wise information that always feels so comforting to me and true for me. And it may not be for everyone, but their content has really helped me in my life, which is why I shared it with Jess in the first place that day over tacos and why I'm sharing it with you. And it's obviously helped a lot of other people because there are thousands of people who call themselves Abrahamsters who are helped by this content and this work of Esther Hicks. Their work is focused on the law of attraction Anyway, it, it is it is bizarre. Maybe it's too bizarre for you, but you can Google this and learn way more about them. Oprah is actually a fan of Esther as well. And whenever I tell people about Abraham Hicks, I usually send them to an interview that Oprah did with Esther slash Abraham years ago. And I'll link that in the show notes, the video. It's a long, hour-long interview of Oprah and Esther Hicks, and they tell the entire story about the secret and how this all came to be, how Esther started to do this, and it really makes it make a lot more sense. I was very confused when I first started listening to their content and and getting into them, but again, I found it really helpful. It may not be for you. If you are so not into this, still listen to this episode because I think you'll probably find something that you like in this episode. If not, you know, there's a whole archive. But for now, enjoy this long conversation with Jess Lively, and I'll talk to you after. Before we get into today's show with Jess Lively, one more thing that Jess and I have in common, other than both being from Michigan and both being podcast hosts, we love something called Four Sigmatic. As you may remember from my episode with Taro, the founder of Four Sigmatic a while back, we talk about all things mushrooms. And I have been a fan of their products and their company 
for over five years. I am so happy that I was one of the first people to try Four Sigmatic's delicious, easy to make mushroom beverages. They source the highest quality ingredients. I know for a fact that Jess has multiple Four Sigmatic mochas a day, which she mentions in this episode. And I actually love drinking their mushroom chai. It's one of their newer products and I've been having it with a little bit of macadamia nut milk and hot water and it's so delightful. I add extra cinnamon to mine and it is a delight. Like I said, you can have it iced, you can have it hot. Another thing that I love doing and Amanda on the Let It Out team loves doing is putting it in our breakfast. So I put it in my coconut yogurt. Amanda puts it in her oatmeal. They have so many different products. Check them out. You can get 15% off your order by going to foursigmatic.com slash Katie and using the code Katie at checkout. That's my name, K-A-T-I-E at checkout. Thank you so much for Sigmatic for supporting this podcast. One more company I want to tell you guys about before we get to this episode is Organifi. It's a new company I recently discovered and I love. I actually got to meet and talk to their founder and they have a few products, not a ton of products because they just have ones that they do really well. I have been using them for the last month or so. And let me tell you, I really like them a lot. So they have a red and a green juice and their red and green juice blends have 11 superfoods that are blended together. They're 100% organic and they're a way to just upgrade your nutrition, thinking of it as a supplement. It helps me to stay energized. It's full of all the vitamins and minerals that I need and it has antioxidants, which I don't really know what they are to be honest with you, but I know that they're good for me and it's great that they're in here. It's simple to use. It's less messy than juicing. I don't have a juicer, so it's practical for every day. And it's actually super cost-effective compared to juicing. It ends up being about 2 to $3 per juice, as opposed to here in New York City, let's see, I bought a juice the other day for like $11. They also have a probiotic. My gut health really, let me tell you, things move a lot better when there's a probiotic involved, and I am loving theirs. So go to Organifi.com, that's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, not a Y, it's an I, and that is where you will find this. It's also linked in the show notes, and if you want to get 20% off your order, you can use the code LETITOUT at checkout. That's let it out to receive 20% off your order. Thank you, Drew. You're the best, and Organifi team for supporting Let It Out. Well, let's just dive in if if you're good to catch up on the air. Thank you so much for doing the show. It's been so cool to follow you and see all of the things that have unfolded for you. And it's so funny because what was that? It was, I don't know, almost three years ago now that I told you about Abraham, like in passing. And I remember I almost didn't tell you about Abraham Hicks. Like, I remember being like, oh, I think that might be too weird for her. Like, I don't want to freak her out. But something with me was like, yeah, it is pretty woo-woo, but it's really helped me and changed the game for me. And I felt like you were at a time where it would just really benefit you. And I don't know why. I was just like, I'm going to tell her this. And 
And I did, obviously. And it's just been so cool and a gift for me and for this information that you found it because you're so great at articulating it and you're so smart and the way that you explain things and apply things in your own life and being an example of it, but also just this talent that you have for explaining it to people and and stuff that I'd heard before actually for like many years and then hearing you talk about it and the way you distill it like goes right into my brain. So it's just been really cool. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And thank you for Abraham. Literally, I feel like of, you know, when they say you're the summation of the people you hang out with the most. Well, yeah. since I've been traveling, which happened right after you mentioned Abraham pretty quickly after yeah. that, I literally have to say the number one person I've been around the most is Abraham. Yeah. So I have become probably the most like Abraham because it's just literal proximity. When you're traveling alone, you can always turn on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because I caught you. We've kind of caught each other in these like big moments of our life lives, but like we were both in a really big transition period when we kind of overlapped and had a couple fun dinners and like hangouts. And then I remember the last time we had dinner in Michigan, like the next week you were like, oh, I'm going on this trip. I don't really know what's happening with my house. And then we were emailing to like maybe hang out one more time. And you were like, actually a really crazy thing happened with my house and I'm about to leave. And it was just, it was really serendipitous timing that our lives overlapped there. Oh, I know. I, for so many ways have, yes, crossed paths with you at the exact right time and moment. Yeah. Super cool. Okay. So I guess I want to start with what were your initial thoughts? Because you've been asking people this, and I think it's really interesting. I would love to hear this from you. What was your relationship to the law of attraction before that? I thought it was, I read, no, I watched The Secret. So I resonated with the concepts overall, but I did not think it, it felt very, I, I use the word tinny, like it felt kind of clangy. It mm -hmm. didn't resonate as like a clear bell or like something was like, ding, 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 this is for you. It kind of had this off clashing feeling about it when I watched it through that vehicle. So that was my only, and this is how I'd explain it now. So when I talk to people about it, I'm like, you know, trying to get them to get on board without getting the secret in the way. And I say, you know, it's kind of like, let's say there's a documentary about gravity. Okay. So there's documentary of gravity and it's really sucky. It's a terrible documentary about gravity, but if everybody only was aware of gravity because of that documentary, then they're judging gravity based on the documentary, not on gravity as the principle that it is. So I try to use that as an analogy to help people recognize like, because the secret is so synonymous with the word law of attraction for so many people, they'll throw it out because of that. And I'm like, no, no, no. It's just a concept that had a crappy documentary. Don't yeah. let the principle be defined by the documentary that was made about it. Yeah. It's so interesting. Does Abraham have a video about the secret and what that did? Oh, you don't know the story? I oh, know the God. story. I, but I wonder if, and I've heard, I heard Esther talk about it on Oprah, but I wondered if there's like a, a video. I don't know if I've heard like Abraham talk about it other than Esther. Well, the, I've heard Abraham speak to it and about Esther about it on one video years ago, but mm -hmm. basically they say it's funny because it still remained a secret and I've actually found a copy somehow. I don't remember how I got it, but eventually I found a copy or a version of it with Abraham in it. And I was so excited to see if it got any better. 
And it was slightly better because Abraham was there. And that content obviously is what I resonated with most more than any of the other speakers in the documentary. But even when The Secret originally did include Abraham content, it wasn't still that great. It's definitely not like going straight to the source, which isn't to say that Abraham is the source of law of attraction. It's just to me, the highest source of wisdom around the principle. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to know something funny? Katie? Yeah, of course. Do you want to know something real, real? <laughs> I'm kind of over it. Yeah. That makes, I've, I've gone through like lots of periods of being super into it and then being like, eh, okay, I've had enough. And then I pick it up again. What kind of brought you to that? It still works by God. It's not like, oh, now gravity doesn't exist for me right. anymore. Absolutely not. It still is there. What ended up happening for me was I got to a phase where I got everything. It works. You can use it and get everything you want. And I have devoted a hundred shows on my podcast to how to get what you want through it. And my classes help thousands of people do the same. But in getting everything you want, it was like eating, this sounds so silly, for so many people, they're trying to get to this point. And I, even listening to myself six months, a year ago, would not have resonated or related to anything I'm about to say. So I'm not really expecting many people to resonate with this. I myself would not have resonated with this six months or a year ago. So why would I expect that this would be a commonly understood thing? Yes, I believe we create our own realities. I believe that we can use our focus and deliberate action and thought to get what we want. In doing so, I realized that to continue to do the same through thought, and this is just a phase I went through, and I'm sure I'll have many billions of other phases, but this phase has been really deep and profound. It's probably the most deep and profound shift beyond discovering quantum mechanics and law of attraction. It was a realization that I was getting bored with it, doing the stuff every single day. And it was working, getting it all, but I got bored. And most people are like fighting the currents of life so much that they're never bored because they're constantly fighting a fire that could be flowed with if they found a way to find alignment. But I kind of felt like it was what was left for me was playing the game that way the rest of my life would be you wanted to get it, you wanted to get it, you wanted to get it. And it was just boring. I was ready for something different. So, what I started to desire was the experience of going beyond the mind, no longer using the mind to get what I wanted. So what does that mean? So where, where are you now? What are you? Oh yeah. Right? This is like, I, it's interesting. Cause now as you're talking to me right now, this is so interesting because I just went and spent a week with Tony Robbins at date with destiny in Australia. And I was never, I always like respected Tony as a teacher. I always thought his content was really solid, but I had never experienced any of his live events, let alone like the most intense one that's six days long, 14 hour days wild and completely at odds with my <laughs> energy and living in the world lately. But the contrast of going from boredom after the Abraham phase and burnout from thinking and trying to not think as much as possible for the last several weeks leading up to it, and then not having my freedom. Well, technically, as Abraham says, you're so free, you can choose bondage. I chose to go to the event. I chose to show up every day. I did not have to, you know, no one was forcing me to go to that or experience it as much as I did. But the contrast of that, I'll say, left me in a new place than where I was even a week ago around this whole thing. But I've been going through what I would call the dark night of the mind. And 
it's not the dark night of the soul. Everyone says it's the dark night of the soul. I actually don't think that's even possible. I believe that the soul is pure light and radiance and consciousness. So to me, it's not that. It's the mind feeling the darkness of itself and that desire to experience more than itself. But most people I've heard about, because I started getting really into this, obviously I love to research and learn things. So as far as going beyond the mind goes, now obviously learning and researching is antithesis of going beyond the mind, but the people's experiences that I could find that talked about going beyond the mind typically looked like, for example, Byron Katie and Eckhart Tolle are the two contemporary humans I think of when I think of going beyond the mind. And both of them had these transcendent, spontaneous experiences of enlightenment that happened during very kind of dark moments. Byron Katie didn't feel like she was worthy of sleeping on the bed and she had a cockroach roll over her leg. And in that moment, it happened for her. Eckhart Tolle wanted to kill himself and was so suicidal that at that moment, the split occurred. So these people and the stories of these contemporary humans going through these transcendent beyond mind experiences and more permanent states of that, right? Not just a moment of it. I've had a deep day of that, which I didn't know what that was a year ago. I just knew it was very profound, but I didn't realize that's what I was doing was going beyond the mind. But besides that day, I'd never had the ongoing experience like Eckhart or Byron Katie. But last year I had this realization first set in that out of studying the mind relentlessly for six hours a day, six days a week and and total joy and alignment, I started to realize through the studies that the studies were showing me that there was so much more beyond the mind that I wanted to experience. So it was like my ego or mind was thinking that the logical conclusion after studying itself was the desire to go beyond itself. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it was like the logical thing because the ego wants more, right? Well, okay, what's more than the awareness of your mind knows that there's more beyond itself then it would be logical that it would want to experience that more. And I had never heard of any other person kind of just coming to this logical conclusion where the, the ego is like, okay, yes, please take me, <laughs> take, take this away. Cause I'm, I'm, I now, obviously there's been moments where that's not, I'm still fully got that identity. Right. But I, and I've watched some funny phases of it where my ego is definitely bartered with itself going, okay, I'll be one of those weird people that go beyond the mind. As long as I still like my chocolate and my pretty house and my crystals. And, you know, I was, I could see the ego negotiating. I'll go do that weird thing if that's what is beyond the mind, as long as I get to still be loving the things I love now, which I had to laugh at because the funny thing was at first, what I was seeking was just going beyond mind because Esther is going beyond her mind when she's mm-hmm. channeling Abraham. Newton is going beyond his mind when he's, when he's channeling integral calculus at 26 to describe the elliptical circular motions of planets around the sun it wasn't done through their minds, even Einstein, like they were channeling. And so I was like, oh my gosh, well, I screw the mind. (laughs) Who wants to be in the mind when all the magic's in the beyond mind states. But once I got to the real boredom of getting everything I wanted, and I started to look beyond what else is beyond the mind, items and titles, like the words enlightenment started showing up. And I was like, crap, wait, I want to like Esther channel. I don't really want to be enlightened. Those weird people like I can't relate to Eckhart. I can't relate to Byron Katie, though they're wonderful humans that have an amazing energy about them. My ego was not like, oh, that looks like a great path for me. So there's been this interesting 
desire for more, but also recognizing again in the looking into this more and going, okay, well, what is this whole stuff about? And I don't even care. Like I never had any interest in enlightenment really ever. I have friends that are, but I've just never been person. I've been more like, I want to drink my mochas and Abraham all day. Like, I just want to have fun in life and do things that are aligning and think positively until I got bored with that. But what I found is that from what I've found, there's not like a step-by-step path that the human mind can take to create the undeniable outcome of enlightenment. Does that make sense? Like, there's not like a, here's the path, here's the secret to success in this way. It's not like the law of attraction. (laughs) I mean, you can put your energy into it, but what I've found from everything I've been searching into this with is that it's kind of like an apple falling from the tree. It's inevitable. It's all going to happen for everyone eventually one day, maybe this life or the next, but it's the soul's work or the inner being's work, the intuition's work, whatever word you want to use for that. It's that side of ourselves that's putting what I've heard is described like the banana peel on our path. And so we might think that we're going down this spiritual path and we're going to like become all aware and stuff like that and meditate to these experiences and stuff. But that's all our humanness to try to enter this realization versus allowing the realization to unfold through us. And so out of that, then I've just been in this existential kind of dark night of the mind going, okay, I can't control this. My mind can't make this happen. I can't actually, it may happen this life. It may happen next life. It may happen in 300 lives. I don't know when my soul will decide that this is the time for me. And so it's been about reconciling that awareness in myself. Cool. Hopefully that explains what I've been going through. Yeah, that's really cool. It's fascinating. I feel Yeah, I'm just like taking it all in. I'm definitely, and probably a lot of people listening, still in my mind. And I kind of want to put, because as you said, I think it was probably a stepping stone to get you here, all of the the time you spent in the mind and studying. So I think that could be kind of more of a stepping stone to, or not, I guess every path is different and it's not linear, but I kind of want to put coins in the Just Lively jukebox and kind of get into some of the (laughs) things I wrote down about how you are so good at explaining some of these concepts. But it's interesting to hear you talk about that because something that I've constantly been saying and therapists have told me and just something that I'm aware of that my tendency is to be in my head and not in my body. And that's kind of how I process the world. And I don't know what this quote is. I think it's an Oshu quote or something, but it's like, you can get one thorn out with, by using another thorn and the thorn is knowledge. But then when you get it out, you should throw away the knowledge. Like you throw away both thorns. Yeah. I'm getting the quote super wrong, but have you heard that one? Well, no, but I understand it. And can I give you some fun analogies? Because it is funny as I go into this new phase, because I innately Actually, I found this out in Tony Robbins. So at Tony Mm -hmm. Robbins, we learned about our primary question. Mm -hmm. And a primary question is just basically the question you ask yourself most often every single day of any other question. So basically, it's deciding the most decisions of your life because it's the question you're asking most and you're making decisions on it the most. What I realized was my, and this is why I'm taking a, a break from my show Yeah. in part is because, well, A, there was the antithesis. It was like, I want to go beyond mind. For me every week to go into the show, I have to go into my mind to go <laughs> to explain something on the show, unless I'm channeling purely like Abraham. So I was like, right, the show needs to go for a little bit. And I started to notice my primary question is how can I explain this? 
And how can I relate this to people? Now, that is probably why you mentioned the talent of yeah. explanation analogy. It's because it, sure. and it's what snaps me from an experience that might transcend the mind. What brings me back to the mind is the innate subconscious immediate impulse to then process how will I explain this to people? Whoa, Does that make sense? Totally makes sense. So I'm having this amazing mystical like meditation experience. And then the first thing that happens, something cool starts happening. Go, whoa, how am I going to explain this to people? Yeah. And then I'm in the mind and it takes me out of the experience. Oh my gosh. I relate to that. So I am changing that primary question to how can I allow and relax right now Mm. into the experience instead of how can I explain this on a show for 7 million people? How can I relax and allow right now so the experience can wash over me? If you're curious, yes, the mind is, you know, the mind. So if you're curious about what's beyond the mind, I can tell you from just this is me. And this is why I don't want to really, I'm not very interested in doing the show in the period of non-mind because I'm in the mind. It's like someone saying that they want to be a mother, but they're not a mother yet. And it's like, well, I don't really want to have a motherhood show when I haven't had the kid yet. So for me to talk about no mind while in mind just doesn't seem very authentic, Mm -hmm. but I can tell you what I've heard and learned. So I'm just speaking to what I've been told, but this has been helpful to get at least have a concept around it. So when you get out of no mind, you're like, what is going to happen? Sensuality. When you are out of your mind, you're purely in your senses. That's an aspect of it. So it's interesting you say, I'm in my mind. I'm not in my body as much. To get into your body and to purely be present without thought, one of the things you get to still do, if you're kind of like, what do I do then, right? I don't have thoughts. Well, you get to feel, you get to smell, you get to taste, you get to touch. Like those. Now, if you label those experiences, that's the mind using the experience for thought. But pure sensuality in its purest form is one of the aspects that I've been learning about. And that ultimately, when you let go of the mind really more deeply, or you have more, you know, ability to choose to use it, it's not like I'm never going to use my mind again to buy a plane ticket on kayak.com. I'm still going to use my mind to do that, but I don't want to have to use the mind all these other times that it's not useful. As Eckhart Tolle says, and I think it's so true, he said the number one addiction of the world is thinking. Yeah. And people ask his number one talent. He said, it's my ability to stop thinking whenever I want. Mm. I don't have that ability right now. I have a choice now more than I ever had before, but I don't have the spontaneous submission of my mind. I had it for one day and it was amazing. And it was a totally different level of experience. And I don't even know that that experience that I had, even though my mind stopped for that day, was the same as what Eckhart experiences. It might've been a taste for me of that experience, but all of this to say, do you want to hear a fun analogy that's like coming through for me? Cause I do like to explain things. Yes. <laughs> okay. So here's how I feel at my Abraham stage and like any stage before that as well. This is my description of enlightenment. <laughs> okay. Imagine a McDonald's playground. You know, the playgrounds outside McDonald's? Yes. There's one in Livonia, Michigan. I'm sure of it. I don't know if there is one, but I don't know why I picked Livonia, but Livonia, Michigan has a McDonald's playground. We both grew up in Michigan and they were all yeah. over our childhood. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So they're back there and they have like, the little <laughs> slides and they're like, okay, imagine this is like a, a little bit more tricked out than your average actual playground at, at McDonald's, but the general concept applies. So imagine that there's like all these kids 
in this playground and there's like kids on the slide, there's kids on the monkey bars, there's kids, let's say there's a little ball pit, kind of like Chuck E. Cheese and there's different ages of kids and there's different things that they're doing. And like some kids are fighting, some kids are making out, some kids are playing with the balls and like toddlers are just like, oh, it's blue. And other kids are trying to race across the monkey bars as fast, faster than someone else. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, let's make this a little bit more exciting. This playground also has kids like playing lemonade stands and selling lemonade to other kids, making beaded bracelets. So there's like a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of stuff to play with. So these kids are playing on this playground for a while. They've been there for a while. So some kids find the commerce of the lemonade stand, the business aspect of it really interesting. Others are trying to kind of be Olympians. They're trying to be the best at the monkey bars. There's other kids that are just like, it's blue. And they're just like learning about the world because they're really young. So there's other kids fighting and being really aggressive towards each other because of whatever, you know, someone stole the French fries, which if you look at a lot of cultures in our, in our world today, 2000 years ago, someone stole the French fries and we're still fighting about it today. So mm -hmm. there's a lot of kids and they're all playing with all the shiny objects in the space, all different types of things. And then in this playground, there's a gray door that has a gray silver handle on it, just like every other standard industrial handle you'd see in America. And that goes out to the parking lot, out to Livonia, out to Michigan, out to the United States out to the world, out to the universe, right? So there's so much more beyond this playground, but these kids are only aware of the playground. And they're really satisfied with that because there's so much to do in the playground. They don't even know that there's any, they're not even aware that there's anything outside the playground. So they're just playing in it and they're completely enthralled because there's different things to do. They can get sick of the lemonade stand. They can go play the monkey bars. They can go make out with someone, they give someone a kiss, they can go fight with them. There's so much stuff for them to do. But eventually, every now and then, the door opens, like a mom opens the door, and one of the kids walks out. Barely anyone even notices that kid leaving. So it just keeps playing, and they just keep focusing on everyone else. But every now and then, that door opens, and there's an opportunity. And you know, some, some kids leave, some kids don't, or other kids come in. But eventually, some child may get to the point where they played with all the toys and they've done all the things. And the thing that's then most interesting to them is this really boring, really plain looking door with a handle on it, which looks nothing like anything else in the playground. It's not nearly, it's not colorful. It's not plastic. It's not bright. It's not shiny. It's just a dull door with a dull handle. But eventually that becomes the thing, the only thing they haven't tested yet. That's the only thing they haven't played with yet. So even though it doesn't look shiny, it doesn't look like a playful thing. It just looks like something new. And they try to throw themselves at the door, but they've never opened a door handle before because nothing else on the playground has any door handles. So this is like a new thing. They don't know how it works. So they're throwing themselves at it. They're hanging off of it. They're doing all sorts of stuff, but they can't figure out how to open it. But eventually it may, if they're paying attention mm. and they leave. And the minute they do, they get to see how much more there is to this universe, even just like getting out of that playground than they ever could have imagined. This is what I feel like. I feel like I'm a kid staring at the door handle while a lot of other people are still playing with the balls. You are so good at analogies. Wow. What I am excited about is the other funny thing is I, I like the phrasings and stuff. Are, it's very childlike stuff that I'm coming to. The other way of looking at this, another analogy for this is like, remember in, when you were little, you had puffy stickers, like stickers yeah. that are kind of three dimensional. Yep. 
Okay, I had a sticker collection when I was little and had all the pages and I just like look at my stickers. I never use them because then they would be gone, but I'd have the sticker collection. I think of the waxy paper that the sticker comes on Mm -hmm. and the puffy sticker. What I'm living in is Jess Lively, the puffy sticker. And what I am seeking to experience and live through in duality or in harmony or in unison or in oneness with is the sticker paper that is my soul that has had billions of other stickers on it. This is not the first rodeo for the sticker paper. This is just the current sticker on it. But I'm finally, as the sticker facing outward, trying to also feel backward to the part of me that's sticking to the paper in the first place. So trying to see, am I being that? So I ask myself a lot is, am I experiencing this as the sticker or what am I experiencing as the wax paper? And interesting is the wax paper is not interesting. It's not exciting. It's not this like super dimensional, you know, it's not the ego. The ego is the part that has all the identity and form in it. It's the formless wisdom that's constantly present, never loving. That side of me, I would describe as the sticker paper that's watching through me and has all the wisdom and guidance. And yeah, really wisdom is what I've currently experienced the most of it. But trying to be a little more aware of the sticker paper or experience the world through the sticker paper side of myself than the sticker. But it's fun. I actually realized this is like so opposite of Buddhism. This is not opposite. It's so different than any of these other people explaining this stuff. I think it's going to be fun to see what else shows up in my experience because I kind of find them fun to talk about this in the way instead of, you know, yeah. the breeze on the Yeah, I love that it comes through you. And maybe that's why I I relate to it so much because we have similar backgrounds and the way that I can relate to you a lot easier than I can relate to like the Buddha. (laughs) And it it is, it's so childlike the way you're and your energy. It just, it feels, feels really just loving and childlike and good. Yeah. I don't know. It's like all I can articulate it as, but this is so cool to talk about. I hope it feels more approachable too, right? It's about stickers and playgrounds. Yeah, for sure. Here's a question, Katie. Now for me, I can say, let's say two months ago, my character on the playground was really into magic was pretty interesting. <laughs> I was pretty into that. Like how could like magic tricks on the playground, like what, what could be possible, you know, that like doesn't seem probable or it was about enjoying the views and the beauty of the world, which I don't think is bad. There's nothing bad about the playground by any means. Actually, I think that by having access, it's not about necessarily leaving and like just dying and going out of the playground, but it's also realizing you can come in and out of the playground and you have the experience and awareness of the rest of the universe while you're in the playground. Instead of thinking the playground is all there is, there's that embodied enlightenment that comes. But for the, I'll be honest, for several weeks, I was ready to die. And oh, this is interesting. So what people may experience in this, and I've never heard anyone talk about it like this, suicide in our society is seen as like this horrible, something went terribly wrong with the person. You know, it's like, oh my God, what could we have done? I look at that as a very limited perception of reality. Now, am I saying that people that have been suicidal before that lived didn't want other people to help them? No, of course, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is that There is a fear of death in our society that's so deep and pervasive that to transcend that fear and have no fear around that is threatening to people that are scared of it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. So I'm not scared of death. 
I think I've had this rodeo many times. I am so confident. It's not like I want to go kill myself because of this confidence, right? I'm not like, because here's my other thing. I feel like my soul has chosen this lifetime for a reason. So even though I'm no longer afraid of it and my ego has been kind of bored and wants to just kick out of that door <laughs> on the playground and go experience the non-physical because that just felt more exciting to me because I don't have the duality. If I could have the ability, think of it as like, I did this meditation at Tony Robbins and he's like, imagine you're a bird flying up high in the sky. What got me really excited about the bird flying high in the sky was imagining the bird going in and out of space, you know, like the stars and like the way it looks in the galactic and then coming back down into the atmosphere and seeing the planet. Now that represented to me, the bird dipping up and down in the elevations was to me dipping in and out of the realms and dimensions. So to be able to dip into this physical reality and also transcend this physical reality into the other dimensions in the same flight, in the same life, that's like all of the shiny pennies my ego could possibly imagine. That's like the most exciting thing because to just kill myself to go out into the space side of things, I feel like I'm just going to have to come back in because I haven't done the embodied realization part yet. The apple hasn't fallen from the tree yet. So for me to come out just means I got to come back in. So I am staying here, but I'm not fearing the death. And in fact, I'm more interested in the aspects beyond this physical reality. And that's going to be fascinating as more people have that experience or, or overcome that fear or like really transcend it to that, because I think it's going to change a lot about healthcare and elder care and just be a really interesting world when people stop fearing this thing that primordially we've just historically had so little understanding of, but not always, like many esoteric teachings for thousands of years and all major religions speak to a life after death. So this is by no means new concept, but in the last 300 years with Newtonian stuff, it's just been pushed under the rug and feared a lot. Yeah. I don't have that fear anymore. In fact, I've been pretty excited about it, but choosing not to act on it, but that's been an, another interesting evolution that I never ever in my Abraham days in my wildest dreams would have imagined <laughs> I'd be feeling. Wow. Okay. So many fascinating things. It's, it's crazy how, how much I'm learning and how different thing, like I've just seen so many different phases of you, like since I've <laughs> known you. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Which one? I call this my Jim Carrey phase. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so cool. What I prepared to talk to was the phase before this. So I might want to go back into the playground for a minute, if that's okay with you. I just wanted to give you this update so that you, because I had this feeling no, you great. would think the Abraham stuff. And I was like, oh, I love Abraham. And I actually think what I'm doing and what I've entered on a spiral dynamics is an interesting yellow to turquoise phase. But in the Abraham, it's step five. I went for weeks without listening to Abraham, which was like basically breaking up with your lover of your life. <laughs> and I just went, cause it just brought me back into mind. So for the yeah. longest time I was sitting there staring at the back of my eyelids and the textured light you can see behind your eyelids. I was like, well, that takes focus. And if I'm able to focus on that, then I can't think. And if I'm thinking, then I can't focus on the light in front of my eyelids that are dark and close because it's very subtle, but it gets more interesting and dynamic as longer I can focus on it and like new aspects of it open up to me. So I spent this long time not listening to Abraham or music and I was being alone a lot. It was this really weird, interesting, like go to the Himalayas, but guess what? You don't have to go to the Himalayas. You could just stay in your apartment alone all the time and you get the same 
experience. I know all these guys that were like, I need to go to the woods and be alone and do this intense retreat. And I'm like, just stop going out. And you have the same thing. I did it in my little crystal cave, but it was an interesting period of no Abraham. But now I've realized it's not that Abraham, and I never thought Abraham was wrong. I just thought that Abraham's teaching people how to positively focus their mind. I was trying to go beyond that. Yeah. What that really is, ultimately, they even say enlightenment is not a thought. It is a state of being. And it also, in their step five, is not being upset when you're in step one. And one of the big things I experienced in my Abraham phase was this predisposition to try to avoid contrast and negative because I knew the implications and the impact it would have in my life to have it. So I didn't want to have it. And this new period has taken the training wheels off or taking that predisposition off and allowed a lot more than I did previously. It's really cool and interesting because, so I'm also in this very different phase, probably like a couple stages back from, many stages back maybe from from where you are, but having more time to be present. I quit my job on Monday last week. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Because I I felt like I was just responding to things and I had two full-time jobs essentially. And I want to not only get to the Jim Carrey phase, but I, I was really, really, really calling to me right now. is probably maybe where you were two years ago when I mentioned Abraham of just wanting to right now, like I said, still in the mind and still wanting to play with these concepts and implement them and just, just, I don't even know yet. I don't really know, but I want to follow the pings. Oh, go into it. Katie, yeah. go into it. it. Honestly, that's the yellow phase on the spiral dynamics consciousness. Uh-huh. Go into it wholeheartedly. Have no reservations. Like, did I start with an Eckhart Tolle retreat? Yes. Was Eckhart's uh, Power of Now one of the first books for me? Yes. But did I go beyond that into a million different directions and think about thought all the time? And like, did I start with kind of an awareness of enlightenment and no mind? Yes. But did I stay there? Hell no. I dove in. I played in that playground with every single tool. I'm so glad I had the crystal phase. I'm so glad I had the quantum mechanics phase. I'm so glad I had the subconscious phase. I am so glad I had the subconscious becoming a hypnotherapist phase and the theta healing phase and the Bali phase and the colonics phase and the fruititarian phase. Like mm-hmm. I'm so glad I had all of these hilariously fun experiences, the moon ceremonies, the you know, the, all this stuff. I'm glad I just would have got bored sooner if I didn't. Yeah. I enjoy all of that. That was amazing. And I got so much joy. It Right now, I can tell you, I'm not happier at this moment than before. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's just different. It's different because I got bored. And oh, I want to tell you about time. It's interesting you mentioned that because that's something I recently faced too, which was something most people maybe haven't faced yet. Some people may have, some others may have not. But with the, I'm not happier, but that's because, do I think that Eckhart's not happier? No, I do. And Byron Katie, no, I think they are like on a whole nother level of unconditional alignment that is so almost constant and pervasive compared to the alignment I created for myself with my mind that I know the apple will fall and it may fall this lifetime. It may not, but I felt happier deliberately using my mind than I do now. But I don't believe that if you fully enter the spiral dynamics concept would be turquoise. I'm not at turquoise. I'm just a burnout yellow. 
<laughs> which is the one below it, right? So it's just like I went through that phase and I got to as far as it could take me. And I could have stayed stuck in that life, honestly, my whole life. And I'm not saying I don't want to necessarily revert back at times because all of the spiral dynamics are useful. They all have their place. And so part of me, maybe it would be benefited by just enjoying and taking things a little slower and being more aware of the yellow phase of that like rampage of appreciation and stuff like that and just be more compassionate about where I'm at. But I think this phase of the dark night of the mind, the few weeks that I went through it, was good because it showed me I did want more. Tony would call it the emotional threshold. So you get satiated, then you get dissatisfaction, and then you hit an emotional threshold. Now he says that normally if you hit that threshold, you're like, no more, I will never smoke again, or I'm just not, you know, whatever it is. He goes, then there's an aha moment and there's an opening and you go through it. Now Eckhart Tolle went through it when he was about to kill himself. Byron Katie went through it when her little cockroach went on her leg. For me, it hasn't happened yet. And it's not like my mind, unlike all of the other consciousness levels, can think its way there. It's out of itself. It's the apple falling from the tree. So I just need to be, if I was to coach myself, more patient with what is and more gentle and kind. And just honestly, probably play with yellow a little bit longer because I can't make turquoise happen. God knows I would have tried the last few weeks. But I can appreciate this life a little bit more and yellow is still useful to a degree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. But enjoy yellow. And I think the world would be an incredible place if everyone was at that yellow stage. Because at that stage, people are taking responsibility for their lives and they're using their mind directed towards what they want. Yeah. Which most people in the world are not doing yet. So if we get to people to like directly positive on focusing on things that they want and positive things and in alignment the whole world is going to be so much more relaxed, flowing, fun. They won't be attacking each other because they won't be thinking that anyone has something to give them that they don't already have in themselves. Yeah. So it's going to be amazing if the world gets to yellow when it is more predominantly there. I think that a lifetime spent in yellow is a lifetime very well spent. I planned happily to spend my whole life there. It was that I never imagined I would have gone through yellow so fast. And I never thought it was appealing. It was not appealing to me to be turquoise, but here I am. I never thought it. I never wanted it. It was never something I cared about. I just wanted yellow while I was in yellow. And I would just encourage anyone that's not feeling like they want what I'm talking about. Don't like, don't think, oh, just because it's maybe a step ahead. I need to get there. No, I would not recommend that at all. Because right now, this is why I'm taking the hiatus is just to go inward and just to be with myself for a while, but it's not more fun than the other phase. And I deeply love that whole phase. And I am so glad I had it. Yeah. Wow. This is so fascinating. Well, <laughs> I think because most people listening, probably all people listening are not in the turquoise phase. Can we talk about the yellow phase a little bit? Absolutely. And I'm not in turquoise either. Let's be honest. I am for sure not trying to pre. I know, I know I'm not there right? My no, knowing, thought, mind, I'm not there, but I'm a burnt out yellow. Yeah. <laughs> or I've been a burnt out yellow before Tony, at least. Well, okay. This is, this is so fascinating. Let's start with the law of attraction being like gravity. It's, a, I think this, we can kind of burn through these kind of people listening to this podcast, maybe are completely unfamiliar. I'll, I'll talk about what Abraham is at the beginning and, and do all of that. And I've, okay. I've talked about Pretty it cool. a lot throughout my podcast and little pockets, but not in a big way. But I think maybe we can burn through some of these questions that I've 
wrote down that I've heard you speak about that you just like with the other analogies are really good at explaining. So I think the best spot to start is comparing it to gravity. And you already did this earlier when we were talking just in passing, but you talk about how people might not notice that the law of attraction is happening, just like they might not notice gravity because they're not seeing a pattern in what they believe and don't believe and what they have resistance to and don't have resistance to and how that's creating their reality. You articulate that really well. Could you try to explain that? Yeah. So basically, law of attraction is a tricky fella because it's going to show you whatever you think is true. (laughs) So everybody's right. If you think law of attraction doesn't work, you'll be right in the sense that for you to say it doesn't work is for you to say that there's randomness and that there's this other force acting upon you. So there's not consistency to you to see that you're doing it. So the life will reflect to you that it's random and inconsistent. And so you'll think that it's not you, but that's just your belief that it's inconsistent and it's not you. Not that it really isn't true. So it's kind of like when you're in a plane and you're looking at the ocean below you, you look down, you see the waves. There's not a real pattern. Usually there's kind of a mismatch of wave patterns in the center of the ocean. But as you get closer to shore, like surfers, for example, catch waves that roll in one at a time. There's like maybe more microwaves, but there's like really big movements and they near the shoreline all even out. The law of attraction, as you get more focused and deliberate in your attention to subjects, evens out. So as you have a mismatch of beliefs and patterns in the beginning, and you may not even think it's true, you're going to see the middle of the ocean where the waves are all over the place. And there doesn't look like there is a pattern. There doesn't look like there is any science to it, if you will. Not to say the law of attraction is a science. Is gravity a science? It's just a part of science. (laughs) It's not science. I don't know. It's like science is describing what gravity is. Well, law of attraction, same. So the waves even out as you get closer to shore. As you even out your frequency, your vibration, your focus, so do the results that you receive. And out of that order, you're able to notice the pattern better. But it's because of your thoughts being irregular that you're going to see results that are irregular. As your thoughts get more patterned, so do the results. Again, so good at explaining that. Another thing related to that, and this is another reason why you said everyone living in the yellow would be really great, is thinking about problems and solutions. And another thing you distill really well is talking about how the frequency of the problem is different than the frequency of the solution. Can you explain that and then tips for using the mind to get onto that frequency? Yeah. So actually Albert Einstein said the same thing. The problem is not arrived at the same level as the solution or the same thing you're basically saying. So there's an Albert Einstein quote that says a similar you know, even Gandhi would say, be the change you wish to see in the world, mm-hmm. right? So many people want to change the world, but to be at it is not to be at the level of the problem. To be at the change is to emanate from that place. This is a very big Abraham statement as well. So the idea is if you have a frustration with something, wait until you're at a place of feeling like the problem is no longer active in your vibration. And from that emotional standpoint, from that emotional place, the way you view that issue when you're no longer seeing it as a problem will have a totally different vantage point and conclusion about what action to take. So it's kind of like if you're at the bottom of the mountain versus the top of the mountain. When you're at the top, you're going to see things from a very different vantage point than you do at the bottom. So if you're in the level of the problem, you're not going to have access to the solutions that 
remove that problem. You're going to have, so this is actually so common right now in causes. So many causes are at the level of there being a problem. And this is going to take a lot of yellows to get into those causes to really change that because most people want to fight a situation to make change. They're using anger and negative energy even if they have a worthy cause, I am not saying the causes aren't good. I'm not saying that changing the way we treat our planet is not good. I'm not saying that treatment of animals, the way that they're treated is, is good. I'm not saying that, you know, like harmful practices are good, but the energy of the people that are fighting them are often at the same energetic level as the problem rather than the solution. So as an example, like females and the wage gap or whatever, I never grew up with the belief that women were not as equal or capable as men. And I never paid any attention to the stat about the money thing. I just always follow my inner being and my own alignment. And I never had any story around that. But as a result, I hire 15 people. Most of them happen to be women. It's not because of that, but I'm at a level of there's not a problem. And I can't say that I'm not trying to solve that problem, but I'm not at the level of that being a problem. But I think that one of the things those people that want that to be a solution or want that to be a reality is that people like me have businesses that employ women and are so successful in giving back in all these ways that we're doing. And it's like, I'm just living at the reality of that. And I never went to a reality where that wasn't. If that make, I don't know if this makes sense, but... No, it definitely does make sense. And I think it kind of relates to another thing I wrote down in a recent episode that I was listening back to today to when I was preparing for this. And you said something that I loved so much and I wanted you to talk about anyway, and I think kind of relates to this. You said, I refuse to do things without getting into alignment first. It's not that I'm against action. I'm against unnecessary action. And it a little bit speaks to what you were talking about before of like, getting into alignment, getting into the frequency of the solution instead of flailing in the problem. Could you talk about your relationship with alignment now and action and especially with how, what's what's changed now? I don't know. I'm in the middle of the ocean with the uh, alignment stuff. I still sort of do a subtler, more subconscious alignment practice, you know, although Tony Robbins, that 12, 14 hour days, I was before going to the event, going to bed naturally at 7.30, 8.30 at night because of the, it's autumn here in Sydney. Oh my gosh, I'm turning Australian as I say autumn instead of fall, but it's <laughs> fall, autumn here in Sydney. And so the sun sets at like 4.30, 5 o'clock. So eight o'clock is like the equivalent of a summer 11 o'clock at night and my body's systems. I also have no window treatments and I have a sun rising on my side of the building. So I wake up with the sun and I go to sleep with the sunset right now. This has been my little routine that my body's just naturally gravitated towards. And then at the Tony event, we had to stay, we didn't get started till 11 AM and we went until two or three in the morning. Oh my so gosh. I was on a completely different time zone. And it was totally the antithesis of my well-being or like my natural body set point, which I think was his intention was to shake our bodies and nervous systems out of their normal patterns. But to me, I can't say with my experience, it was positive. I think I'm the only one of 2000 people that didn't love it. So by no means am I saying he's not great. The people that love him, love him and love the experience. They rave about it. But for me, it was not 
<laughs> it was uncomfortable. It was very not aligning. So obviously out of seeing my life with that versus even as I'm not directly using my Abraham methods to the extreme that I used to, I still am going to sleep when I want to go to sleep. I wake up when I want to wake up. I work when I want to work. I eat when I want to eat. I eat what I want to eat when I want to eat it. Like I just focus on what feels good right now. And if it's not doing the work yet, I wait till it is. Now, this is going to go counter to a lot of ways people have been bred and led to believe. And maybe even in their system, in their company, I'm not even going to say that it's like you can do this necessarily and not get a negative outcome from someone. And you could do it, obviously. No one has any control over you. But if you did, you may have a negative outcome at the company you're at. But the thing that I find is that you don't have to do nearly as much work when you are in alignment as when you're not. And the work that comes through you is usually of higher caliber quality and solutions arise you never could have seen before. Yeah. There's just everything to gain from being in alignment and everything that's more difficult, harder, longer, and more arduous in the lack of alignment. You can get there, but it's not going to necessarily feel as good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. You're so good at talking about that. One in another recent episode, you talked with Jasmine Starr and you talked about your acne remedy, which was finally just saying, screw it. And that's when it cleared because you weren't trying to clear it anymore. You were just trying to feel good, which is what you thought clearing it would get you. And then that's what you did. And then you kind of from there, you talked about smearing, which was like taking one area of your life that's working really well and, and smearing it into another can you talk about that with like body things? I know you were also doing it with visualizing your body and your <laughs> eyesight and like, can you give the update there? Yeah. Well, my updated Jim Carrey mode is like, screw it all. But the updated yellow mode when I was like in the Abraham stuff was testing and playing with all of the possibilities. And one of the things I've learned about the acne really interestingly is that as my cycle, my hormone cycle for my period was always a regular until I was 31. And then it, it's finally since 31 it started for the first time. And it now two years in, it's like regulating to really normal. So I've never used to like PMS symptoms that are natural, not like pill induced. So I realize now that the week before my period, acne still comes up pretty not the way I would like it to be. It also cleared up in a lot by dropping the resistance for sure, but it doesn't mean that it's always permanently gone at this stage. It's still showing up during especially periods. And I asked my intuition, I finally asked my inner being, which I had never done. Isn't that hilarious? I never done it. I never asked. And I finally did. And it said a few weeks ago, let the human have its experience, mm. which was like the sticker paper saying to the sticker, just have the experience. It shut me up for like weeks because it didn't say accept it. It didn't say love it. It didn't say hate it. It didn't say to change it. It didn't say to go to facial. It didn't say to sing kumbaya music to it. It just said to let the human have the experience. I like was stunned. I couldn't even speak after that because any experience I was having, it was just saying, let yourself have it. Good, bad, or ugly. Yeah. Let's take a quick break, interrupting this episode to tell you about some brands I truly love and give you some discount codes. We'll be right back. Today's episode, again, is supported by Four Sigmatic. Some of you know them. Some of you already love them. Maybe you listened to my episode with the founder, Taro. But if you did, you will know that I've been using their products for almost six years now. I love them. I always have a few packets in my backpack 
wherever I go, wherever I travel, they're so simple to use. Right now, I'm really loving their mushroom chai. All I need is some hot water and I can have a non-sugary, delicious, warming, superfood chai tonic anywhere I am in the world. And that, you know what, is very comforting. I also love their chaga and reishi. I put them in my coconut yogurt. I put them in my smoothies. I'll just mix them in whatever drink that I have. I'm always giving these packets to people. When I see you on the street, I'll probably give you one. But if you, before that, wanna get one, you can get 15% off your next order by going to foursigmatic.com slash Katie and using the code Katie at checkout. Our guest today, Jess Lively, also loves their products. She's very into the mushroom mochas. If you're a coffee drinker, this has half the caffeine of regular coffee. So it will give you that energizing boost without the jitters. And you can have more of it because it won't make you feel bad sometimes like too much coffee can do. So check them out. Again, that's Katie for 15% off your order. I discovered a new brand recently that I'm loving and I want to tell you guys about, and I'm so excited that they're supporting today's episode. They're called Organifi. That's Organifi with an I, not a Y. They have just a few products, but the few products that they have, they do really well. Let me just tell you about what I'm loving. They're probiotic. It's amazing for my digestive health. (laughs) You maybe know that there's a connection with our head and our gut. And when things are running smoothly for me, if you know what I mean, everything feels better in my life. I've been taking their probiotics and they are a very potent probiotic with 10 strains. They're easy to take capsules with the highest quality ingredients. Everything is potent and gives you a generous amount of beneficial bacteria. And it's super easy to remember to take in my busy lifestyle. I love their probiotics and also their red and green juices. It's 100% organic and easy to take while I'm on the road and costs a lot less money than buying a green juice. It ends up being about 2 to $3 per juice. And they also have a gold tonic that's an anti-inflammatory turmeric situation, which let me tell you is lovely blended up with some coconut oil and some macadamia nut milk and some extra cinnamon. It's a delight. Check out Organifi. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, not a Y, an I, dot com. And make sure you use the code let it out to receive 20% off your order. That's using the code let it out to receive 20% off your order. I'd love to talk about that more with, and maybe you can workshop this with me, with like myself in the yellow phase. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Beliefs around body and food and exercise specifically, because I know that you now, and from what what I've heard, and I'm sure now even on another level, literally, (laughs) you have such a cool relationship with food and your body that I really admire. And I know that you've been shifting and and playing around with how your physical reality is and through the mind. And I'd love to talk about that and kind of what your phases were for in the yellow, I guess, getting to that point. Well, you want the real story 
on that? Yes, always. Okay, so the real story was that I got so excited because I met this trainer a year ago. He was a friend's trainer. So I was just like working out with him for the day because she invited me to come with her. And he said, you know, I eventually I won't have a job. And I said, why? And he goes, because I, I believe that one day people are going to realize that their subconscious can make themselves healthy and fit and they won't have to work out. So they won't need me anymore. And I was fascinated, of course, in my very yellow, loving, excited phase of that. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to learn everything. So I started to look into it. And it was, I came to the belief after my own research and there wasn't like, oh, there's a book that says this. No, it was just like me learning about the subconscious, not <laughs> about body, but just that how the subconscious controls the body. It's just like, yeah. And I even called him and I was like, you really? think that I don't have to work out and I can be healthy he's like yeah just focus on the body that you want and I'm like well, what about strength and he's like well if you want to like be strong then visualize yourself doing strong weights and stuff like that but I was like well I don't need to be a weightlifter I'm not sitting here trying to bench press a bunch so I was like I right, just like focus on the body that I want huh and then I got because how can I explain this right so then my primary question kicked in so this was no longer a personal mission this was now me trying to show the world that they too could do this. Yeah. Like proving it almost. And what ended up going is it really messed me up because instead of just following my own inner joy of this, I wanted to be able to create a result for myself that everyone else undeniably would agree is impossible. Does that make sense? Yeah. So instead of just wanting to have a nice body, I needed to have a body that you'd see on Instagram from some obsessed person with working out so that people can say, there's no way she should have that body without working out, right? So that started. So it was like, instead of just having a body that I was happy with, it became, I have to have a body that denies the laws of physics as we currently know them. <laughs> because if I'm going to be the example, I've got to have this ridiculous, undeniable result, right? Instead of just saying, oh, she's 31. She's always had a simple, like great body type. So it's not that big a deal. I couldn't have that. My ego was trying to prove this, right? So it then amplified even further to the point where it was, and the eating foods too, I wanted to be able to eat whatever I wanted to eat and have a healthy body. Cause like, I think that eating healthy foods and moving in healthy ways, like the old system sells you to, is very helpful if you're not very conscious and you're not very aligned and your emotions are not in a good place. By all means, do I think that the traditional approach to physicality works? Yes, and I'd encourage it for anyone that's not focusing on alignment as their highest priority, for sure. I would not say do this if you're not making alignment in yourself your highest priority. Feeling first, not your physical feelings emotionally. But it amplified. So no longer could I just have a normal body that looked good. I had to have a perfect body so I could deny any naysayers. And then I needed to break even more rules. So I needed to really break all the rules people could say, this is why it's happening. So then I stopped eating in any way that could be possibly conceived. I was like, well, she's eating healthy. So even though she's not moving much, she's able to have it because of that. So then I was eating tons of chocolate and mochas and that was all aligning for me. And it wasn't like I was binge eating. By God, I had four years of that when I was younger. So it was not a binge eating cycle, but it was a not aligned cycle. But then I finally looked at, I was pretty miserable and kind of scared at this one point after like almost a year of this all subtly unfolding. And I was like, why am I like nervous and, and fearful? Cause I was like, this is an experiment I'm playing on my body, but what if it's not true kind of right. Mm -hmm. And then I realized what the heck am I, I would start out to show everyone that they could do this too. But then I felt like, well, everybody's such a different case. I've got to be this extreme case to overcome any people's doubts or resistance. 
And then I realized what I've done in that process is stopped listening to myself. And if anyone actually did ask me about it, I would have told them immediately, your inner being knows what's right for you. But here I was not giving myself or my inner being any credit or allowing to tell me what was right for me because I was trying to prove this empirical objective truth, right? Yeah. So then I dropped it all and I was like, screw it. I don't even want to talk about this anymore. After the year, in the beginning, it sounded kind of fun to talk about it. By the time people are asking me about it a year later, I didn't even want to talk about it. So I was like, what are you even doing this for? But that's really what happened is that I tried to make myself this extreme example instead of the gentle, loving way of being that I would naturally have just for myself. So again, reasons why that primary question has not always been working out well for me. Yeah. That's so funny. I relate to that primary question a lot because even just in life, when I'm having a fun time, I'm in my head like, oh, I'm so excited to tell my boyfriend about this later. Or like trying to remember, like not even to prove anything just because I want to like share. I'm already like excited to relive it when I tell about it. It's, It's bizarre. And so I could see that. I understand that a lot. Okay, so going back to to body, and then I'd love to talk about this in, in other areas too, with yeah, like yeah. money and time, because I know you have a really aligned relationship with those things too. Let me make sure I'm understanding this correctly. You do still believe that those things are possible and they they have been possible for you when you're not forcing it and trying to prove and making yourself an example to explain it to other people when you're just if it was, if you didn't have the podcast and you didn't have your work, which is helping other people do this, you could do those things for like, we'll keep it on body. What I did was basically allow myself to eat other foods that I would consider healthy. And I allowed myself to like, I haven't felt like running in a while. I used to run marathons in my effortful days, but it was always to, to like change the outcome. And it was always to feel identity better. Now I like, and naturally enjoy hiking. I'm just saying now I just like readjusted and took the whole pressure of like everybody's bodies off of my body and it was fine. And there actually was never a problem. It's just how I was approaching it was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you, I mean, I think you answered it perfectly. I guess it's just like, Oh, did I? Okay, good. Well, for people who like aren't familiar with what you were doing, I just wanted to explain it of like, you let go of all of the rules. And I think but like when I met you, when we met, you already were out of the efforting phase, you know, like what we were saying. And, and that's kind of where intuitive eating came into play. And, you know, I know we both interviewed Isabel Fox and Duke and that whole phase of knowing that dieting doesn't work. And I, I, that's, I think how I got into Abraham originally was how great Esther distills that concept to me. That was like my window in because that was so helpful to me, is so helpful to me, the way she talks about food and dieting and our relationships to food and how, you know, alignment first is is everything. Can you talk about that at all? I would just repeat alignment first is everything. I don't have any yeah. strong feelings anyway around food. Yeah. And I like it. <laughs> Yeah. I, although I did ask my inner being yesterday. I was like, as I saw the acne come up the week before my period, I was like, really? I know the human habit is experience thing, but I was like, for the first time I wanted like a real, <laughs> like 
tell me something serious. Like not just like <laughs> everything's well, but I want some direction here. Please give me some. And it, it did actually give me some answers. I'm going to try. It said to eat apples and pears, oh. eat more fruit, it said, and to have vinegar on my face. So of course I'm like immediately Googling these things going, is this actually, has anyone else actually done this? And it did. Apples and pears were on, if you Google like acne and apples oh, and pears, there, cool. there are sites. Now that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm sure if you Googled any food, you could find For some sure. article on the <laughs> internet that would prove it. Yeah. But then also vinegar was interesting. And apparently I found out last night, Scarlett Johansson uses apple cider vinegar and other people do too, as a way of toning. And it apparently helps. Jess, I do that. Do you? Yeah. Well, apparently my inner being wants me to start. So I'm going to give that a shot. That's so funny. Yeah. I do that in witch hazel, which is helpful. Cool. Well, what is your body? Okay. You were trying to ask me to help you. The way I can help you is isn't this funny? I went through a year of torturing my mental state to like prove to everyone they could do it. Instead, I'm going to do the same thing I would have done with you anyways. And I didn't have to go through any mental gymnastics myself. Okay. I'm going to ask your inner being. You're a heart person or a gut person? I guess it would be, it's like right in between. <laughs> is that, a, is that allowed? Okay. So we're going to go in between. It's like your solar plexus sort of. Okay. Yeah. So what's the question you have? What's the friction that you're having around that? Oh man. Well, I think it's just, or no. I feel it's been something that I want to think about it less. Okay. Okay. Great. All right. Okay. We're going to ask. All right. How can I think about this less? The thing that came to me was just, just do it. <laughs> do what? I'm trying to do less already. Why is it not working? Why is it not working to think less? I need to feel more. I guess it's like presence is what it's telling me. I need to be more present. How can I feel more present? more quiet i think i'm guessing katie dale about meditates quite a bit more quiet is this like a yeah. meditation or something different you know i i think quiet wasn't really true that's just something that like i i kind of thought to say okay so what's more <laughs> true in inner being what's more true it's feeling exhilarated and like having fun and not just not thinking yeah just being so happy and so in alignment that i'm not yeah thinking about it. Cause when, when I do that, I don't think about it. Like when I'm having a there really great, it's only when I'm anxious or I'm stressed or that sort of thing. You know, actually, can I also tell you that this, what I'm doing with you now. So I kind of had this malaise. I was like, am I ever going to come back to the show? If I don't get enlightened, it's not my fault. If I don't, it's the apple falling from the tree, but I don't even know that I want to be enlightened, but I know I want to go beyond mind. What I've realized I may come back with is this, that what I just did with you, that's you touching the sticker, talking to the sticker paper. And I've talked about this from the beginning of my coaching, first thing I ever taught, or one of them. And it's something I mention all the time on the show, but I don't drag people on and make them do it over and over and over again. Like not the same person, but like different people. Mm -hmm. I don't just show it. And so I still get questions from people asking answers from me that are in them. And I always say, listen to your intuition. I don't answer their question. You know, I can give them my perspective, but it's not nearly as relevant as their own inner voice. So what I do recognize in this burnt out yellow face for myself, <laughs> the transition, I guess, the yellow turquoise transition is that this dialogue that you just did and that anyone can do in themselves and that I've done for eight years, nine years, every day, almost every day, if not multiple times a day, that is the closest so far I can come and everyone else can touch on that too in themselves. So I think that may become the major part of my message in this interim phase, but we'll see. Cool. Yeah. It felt really good. And you knew, like you knew when, like I said, more quiet, you knew that that was like, 
I could tell you knew it wasn't true, you know? Well, I was just thinking like, you're already meditating a lot. So yeah. if this is really heard from you, then there's a different type of quietness that it was asking for. Yeah. But I just knew like you enough to go, all right, there's something here. Yeah, that was cool. That's actually the other fun thing for me is that I love asking the questions because of the years of coaching I've had and of the years more specifically of my own asking questions, right? I've asked thousands of questions to my inner being and I've realized that, the better your questions, the better the answers. So I can kind of help jumpstart people into this by when I will have these examples of like me doing it with people, people will get to experience it that are doing it with me, but also people watching will get to hear the types of questions I ask, which will give them inspiration for the kinds of questions they can ask. Because most people, I get them to do it and they do one or two questions and then they stop. But they have a ton of questions about what the heck they just heard but they stop asking more questions to clarify. And I'm like, wait, no, no, no. You just got started. That's not the answer. That's the beginning of a conversation. But they usually will do it once or twice and then they get confused yeah. by it and they stop asking for clarity, which is literally what stops them from understanding the full effect. That's really cool. And I relate a lot to the piece about asking a good question and, and getting a good, like that's what my book was about. The journaling book I wrote was yeah. saying that when you ask a good question, you're likely going to, especially, I, I think journaling is a great tool for it, get a good answer from your intuition. And getting into the habit of good questions is is a skill and a really useful one. The vision I have, besides like, if it was to stay in the playground and like have fun and go like the bird up and down in the atmosphere into the other realms, I'd love the idea of having Let's say, you know, when people go to like, we and I went to a Liz Gilbert event, right? Mm -hmm. Like Eckhart Tolle, I've gone to 20 conferences in the last year, just went to Tony Robbins. <sighs> These people, even Tony is like trying to help you get into you, but really they're usually like the experts on the stage, right? Imagine even Abraham, there's two chairs on the stage, Abraham and the person, the human, and the human asks Abraham the questions. What I want to do is sit on the stage with an audience of people and bring one person after the other to sit in that chair and they tell me their problem. And I ask the questions that allow them to access the answer within themselves, person after person after person. So the end, the people that are there, it's undeniable after seeing scenario after scenario after scenario be dissolved, be dissolved, be dissolved, one after the other, that they cannot not know that they can go do this within themselves. How do people trust that they're actually doing it? Like I just had an experience with you and like I fully trust that it was my intuition, my my sticker paper talking to you yeah. because when you could tell when it wasn't and I could for the most part tell too, but I know that I know myself and doing it on my own, I would question it because I'm someone who is in my mind, you know? Yeah. Well, you have to listen. And so the answer will seem peaceful and often it might be surprising to you. Like when I heard, let the human have its experience, I was not expecting that answer. I was like, whoa, that is at a different frequency than where I was at. Yeah. And then when it said apples and pears, I was like, where did that come from? Like I, and then vinegar and stuff. So like the wisdom that it's always peaceful, even if the ego's in like a frustration around the subject, the answers will feel peaceful. So if you're feeling... <laughs> You could be shooting on yourself. You could be saying the things you think you should hear. It's just practice yeah. and trusting. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. But otherwise, I mean, you're going to see. If you start writing down stuff like, I think this, just know, Katie, you're thinking. Yeah, cross out. <laughs> you actually said it verbally when you were like, uh, and I could tell you're trying to have a dialogue with me about it. 
which was shitting on yourself about what you yeah. think the answer should be versus just listening. And so normally I'm more strict with people when I do it. I'm like, I don't want to hear your dialogue about it, but you were doing it so good in the beginning that it didn't happen until a little later where you started to think and start talking through it. Yeah. A lot of people's first reaction when I'm doing it with them is to analyze and say, that's so interesting. But really I'm like, no, 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 stay in the zone so I can keep asking more questions. We can get more information and then we can analyze it after. Yeah. So a lot of people try to pop out of the receiving mode sooner than would be helpful because yeah. they can get more. If you get an answer you don't understand, ask why or what does that mean? I get a lot of weird phrasing for things. And so I'm like, well, what does that mean? Like make that easier because there's certain vocabulary it's not like weird words. It's weird phrase yeah. that I'm not used to. It's almost like interpreting a dream. Yeah. Like it says the phrase, what is wanting? Like that, that phrase or like all that is or unfolding, but what yeah. is wanting? I'm like, what is that? Like that is a weird, or you know what it tells me all the time is the deepest truth of who you are. I hear that like all the time. So I wrote down that I wanted to talk about both money and time with you, which I think are maybe connected. But again, you you talk about and you've had great episodes about this of your podcast about alignment with money, which is an area that you're really aligned with. For me, the both of them are, are super connected. So maybe we could workshop those two. One of the things in my Jim Carrey pre Tony Robbins phase that I just went through, mm -hmm. there was this interesting fear of loneliness. There was a subconscious pattern and I cleared it. And so for the first time, I wasn't afraid to be alone. And so I, in a new country with not a ton of friends here, right? And a ton of things to do. I really went deeply inward. And instead of just trying to fill the time with friends and things to do, I really allowed that time. But I faced was a lot of people fear not having enough time. And you can get, a, I got over that fear. But what I realized in most people, just because their inner beings have brought them to a life experience that hasn't left them alone on another side of the planet. <laughs> like they just haven't had that experience. But mine was interesting because I got to face a different fear that I didn't even ever hear people talk about really, or maybe retired people do where they fear having too much time. So I faced that fear and it was fascinating to go through the side of time, scarcity or a fear of too much abundance of it that actually was the deeper reason I was afraid to be alone was because I was afraid not of death, but of being bored before dying. So whenever I do a subconscious, like what's the root bottom belief, it's not that I'm excited to die. Like I've said, <laughs> like, it's going to be really awesome guys. Like I'm excited, but being on the planet and being bored while you're alive, that was the deepest fear that I had. And getting out of the loneliness pattern and then to face the boredom pattern, the fear of having too much time or being bored and not knowing what you want to do or being bored with what you have done. That was what I was facing for those weeks. And what was interesting is the same solution to time scarcity was the same solution to time fear of abundance, the fear of too much time, which was it's the now, what you're doing when you are projecting is on the scarcity or the abundance, you are taking yourself out of the now, the present moment. So what I realized was it didn't matter what day on the calendar or time on the clock it was for me to face all that time to myself. It was always now. And I was always like, oh my God, am I going to feel bored? And there was always something that I wanted to do and I was excited to do now. And then the next moment, there'd be something else I'd want to do now. There's actually like one moment of the three or four weeks I was alone that 
for the most part. I wasn't constantly secluded, but I like left my apartment a few times and saw people maybe like three or four times a week for an hour or two. So very short periods of interaction and stuff, but otherwise mostly alone. There was always something I wanted to do. And the one time I didn't have something I wanted to do, I tried to take a nap and it was too loud outside. So I couldn't even do that. And then I decided to use my imagination. Like it wasn't this horrible thing that I'd been fearing for so long or most of my life. Yeah. It was always now. And there was always now. And often at 7.30 or 8.30, instead of being like, oh my gosh, now I'm going to be bored and alone. I would just feel like going to bed. And then I would go to bed now and I'd wake up now. And then it didn't matter. I had to get over the fears of like the stories I told about Friday night and Saturday night. Cause I grew up with those being very important nights of the week to do fun things. And instead I realized it's the now and now where I feel like doing something, there are times in the now where I feel like sleeping. And so I realized the now is not just a work day. It's actually the now is an ongoing thing that often and sometimes includes naps or sleep. And sometimes they're eight hours and sometimes they're a half hour. And it's still the now. So cool. Yeah. That was like, a, again, I'm only sharing that because it's something I've never heard anyone talk about before. Yeah. Besides maybe Eckhart sort of, in a but in a different way. Yeah. It's interesting because I think my relationship to time is really informed by a feardom of feardom of yeah. fear. I, I combine two words, a fear of boredom, feardom. Yeah. Because I, you know, I'm an only child and I grew up constantly trying to fill my time. The fear of boredom was really just fear of being alone with myself and with my thoughts and having to like face myself and put the mirror up in my face and feel and like be in my body and not in my head. And I'm realizing now that that's what the story of having two full-time jobs and filling my space and my calendar being so overbooked and blah, 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 blah. That's all a choice I made. And then now that I've that got too much and I got much like you, like bored with that, this new phase that I'm going into, my default is to try to fill it because there's this fear that I'm now aware of that I want to get rid of, of that's not what I want for myself. Like I, I do want to walk into it and face it and be with myself because that's new and that's novel and that's growth, you know? Yeah. And what I hear from myself the last six months, I've been hearing my inner being say over and over again, like a broken record is relax and allow and all is well. And there's no need to effort or strive at this. It says this over and over again on repeat. And so when I told you about the dark night of the mind and the fun ego kind of rantings that just happened, it's all true. And up to Tony Robbins event, that was where I was at. And I own it. It was fun. It was funny to talk about. I think it's great. Now what I'm realizing to what you're saying is that it's about relaxing, allowing, and knowing all is well, which means I don't know what's coming next, but I can relax and allow and know all is well. And I don't know what's next and I can relax, allow and know all as well. And I don't know what's next and I can relax, allow and know all as well over and over again into the unknown of each moment instead of going, okay, I want to get to this enlightenment thing because I'm sick of the mind and I can't make that happen. Oh, now I feel frustrated. You know, yeah. it's about relaxing, allowing and knowing all as well over and over again, unendingly and just letting things come to me and through me in an even more effortless way than I was before when I was thinking the things I wanted to have happen or visualizing the things I wanted to have happen, taking the mind out of the equation. (laughs) Yeah. So with all of this and kind of into this new phase and then also relaxing and allowing, I assume helps and I'm loving that phrase and I know it will help in all phases, but speaking of your business, you 
are someone who, like you mentioned before, you have a team of, I think you said 15 people and you're not doing, you're allowing, I guess, such great work to happen and you're changing that. And it's been malleable and it's been so cool to see all the different phases that it's already had. And it sounds like it's going to have so many more, but where are you with that? I guess the, the word work, where are you with that right now? Well, I don't really think of work. That's like not a word I even think about. Isn't that funny? Mm -hmm. That's not even like a word in the mind map of, I mean, obviously I can use the word. I'm not against the word or anything. Yeah. As far as like my actual company and everything. So I'm taking a hiatus from the show until I feel excited to come back. And my listeners have known I (laughs) am following my alignment above all else. Like I'm not holding to anyone other than my alignment. And so that's taken me on a very winding path as you've seen the many versions of me as a jewelry designer, as a business coach, as you know, all this stuff. Well, C-School is actually happening. And this is a beautiful thing. This is kind of, I love C-School because the core curriculum we've just created and we've, we're doing, actually, as we're recording this, it's happening next weekend. That is the icing on the cake. So my two years of yellow, oh my gosh, like that is just this like beautiful summation of everything I've learned from that experience of learning how to use the mind in a way that's going to help so many people go through it faster and easier than I did. So I'm super excited. It's kind of my parting gift to yellow. Cool. It's the flow with intention, but the science side, it's the mind side. It's explaining things, not with law of attraction or Abraham, because you don't need that stuff to live a wonderful life. You can use your brain states and know how to navigate them deliberately and you can have an incredible life. So it's going to open up the doors to this kind of work to so many people that have no interest in the woo-woo stuff or want to know the science side of it in a simple, easy to implement way when their kid is screaming in the car, for example. Even though I'm changing my primary question, I know myself enough to know that eventually, inevitably, my, at least so far, I can tell you eventually and inevitably, my spirit, whoever I am, whatever I am, loves to contribute and loves to bring back what I've learned. So maybe I'm just going off to a new little chapter, but I, on this one, after nine and a half years of verbally processing my life every day for five years on a blog and four and a half years on a podcast every week, it's time for me to just live my life for me and get out of the explanation mode and into the experience mode. So it can actually be there. Cool. And then I think it's cool that you're not putting a deadline on it or forcing it, but you know yourself and who knows that could come around, but no guarantee and no timeline. I think that's really cool for you. Yeah. Yeah. It'll come back when it needs to. And it could be in a month or it could be in a year or it could be in three years. I, it could be in a hologram instead of a (laughs) podcast. I don't know. I just know that I will know when I need to know. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Okay, well, before I, I give you the, the quick fire questions, let's talk about alignment with money, which I started to touch on before. And again, this is an area that you're really aligned in. And I would love to workshop a bit any kind of tips you have, which I'm assuming is probably talking to the sticker paper. <laughs> yeah, it is always because I don't have the hangups you have about it, right? Totally. So I don't have an answer for you that's right for you or for the 17,000 other people listening, every person's going to have a different set of subconscious beliefs that are either enabling or de-enabling or disenabling, whatever, not enabling money in your life. Yeah. It's not like I have a catch-all solution. I know that for me, my subconscious programming around money was much simpler and easier because I, I think that for me, my alignment with money is so good because 
I'm aligned with my inner being, not money. Mm. So I'm not looking like I canceled sponsors so that I could end when I wanted to end. And all of the sponsors, this is such an amazing kind of moment of appreciation. Mm -hmm. Every sponsor, as I told them, you know, the rest of the year, I'm not going to do any more shows. They all said, please let us, they were all like, when are you going to be back? They were not listening. They like, they couldn't understand that. They're like, wait, 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 no, but when are you going to be back? Like, I want more shows. I want to sponsor more. And like, it was so cute and wonderful that they're all so supportive. And they were like in denial that I was like, I don't know. And I'm not sure if I'll take sponsors when I come back but I'll let you know if I do, because I'm not worried about money. I'm not worried about really anything other than being bored and being, when am I going to be enlightened? But I am aligned to alignment. Money flows through the alignment. I'm not aligned to my inner being to get money, but as I've become aligned to my inner being, I receive money. And for the first 10 years of my career, I was constantly turning away opportunities or closing businesses that were finally starting to make money to follow my alignment. So it took about 10 years of kind of following a path less traveled that didn't financially always make sense at all to most people. But I didn't care and I never wavered because I knew where and why I was going. I was going towards my inner being in alignment. Now that I've gotten there, that alignment now serves to 10 million downloads on the show and over 2,000 people in my online courses. It's serving people. And the cool thing is because I sell in alignment, which is I only ask people to join if their intuition tells them to. So I'm never selling anything. I only assume and trust that they're going to ask their intuition because I've asked them to. And they're only joining because they've heard within themselves that they should join. So there's the money is never a part of my equation other than I love and appreciate it. Yeah, that makes so much sense. I feel like I'm kind of in the phase of that you were in of like, I feel like I'm pretty aligned with money as well. But it's closing chapters of how I'm making it and turning it into a different way. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And I always was doing that. I was closing one door to open another. And it was like, get the business up to this point, then close it down to start another one. Get the business up to that point, close it down to start another one. So it was like every two to three years I was starting over to get to pivoting basically to what became the lively show and life with intention online. And then from there, really having that full alignment with what I was doing and not stopping it, right? For the last, I don't even know, three, four years. I don't know. It just really clicked in and I'm not worried about it now. Yeah. That's, that's super cool. It was kind of cool. At this, at this point, my ego likes to test itself. <laughs> like, I, like I had this one little thought, like this little ego thought like you can't close the show. You're going to lose that income. And then I was like, watch me. You know what I mean? It was funny to like, I have a lot of fun scaring any little bit of left of ego around money. Like, watch me, I'll go do it. I'm more into alignment than this thought. I will not let this thought derail me from alignment. That's so cool. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the answer to everything, which you've really reminded me of in such a great way is alignment first, alignment first. Alignment before action. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I One thing that I would love, I'll, I'll ask you the quick five questions real quick after this, but you talk about in your podcast, heart brain coherence yeah, and where your beliefs match your circumstances. And you give an example of how, you know, when people win the lottery and then lose it since their beliefs don't match what they have now in their experience. And this is like my favorite thing you, you talk about in, in relation to money or any topic, I guess. 
But my favorite thing is when you explain why that we're most magnetic from our, our heart. And I know it has to do with the iron in our blood and how we're basically stardust. Could you could you explain that on this podcast? Oh, well, this is like a just lively theory. This is okay. not like I've seen some fancy person stand on stage. Well, hey, you know what? <laughs> that doesn't mean I can't say this. So, Well, I love it. So, <laughs> Yeah. So it's interesting that we call it law of attraction, right? Attraction. Well, what is attraction? Like magnets attract, right? So the iron in the magnets, well, the polarity in the of the molecule. So, okay, our blood is made with the hemoglobin has an iron center. The iron is at the center of the hemoglobin, which is our blood. Okay, so where does that come from? It comes from galaxies colliding. So there's stardust, where literally our blood has stardust in it, in the form of iron. So this iron's pulsing throughout the entire body, but most specifically in the heart. And the magnetic center of our body is in our heart. The electrical center is predominantly up in the brain, but most of the magnetic field is in the heart. So it's interesting when we talk about law of attraction, thinking about magnets and attracting in that sense, that that is usually iron and it is connected to, and I'm not saying there's anyone else on the planet saying that this is connected, but I find that interesting. Isn't it interesting basically that the heart is the highest concentration of iron and iron is what we talk about when it comes to attraction. So feelings and a lot of the stuff you can get into and learn about, talk about feelings and your heart having this wisdom that is your inner being, the sticker paper, as we called it in this session today. So I don't know. I just find that interesting. Isn't I love it. Interesting? it. Yeah. I think it's super cool. Okay. So these can be for the sticker paper if you want, but just say the first thing that yeah, okay. comes to mind. Greatest lesson on traveling. <laughs> be where you are. Know all as well. <laughs> Favorite place you travel to. Lisbon and London. Greatest lesson on relationships. So friendship, romantic, business, all, whatever you want to say. Trusting them to be who they are while at the same time knowing you have nothing to prove to anyone. Hmm. This is not just talking. This is inner sticker paper talking. I like that. Okay. This one might be more just because of the question, but it can be whatever. What are some of your favorite or your current morning and evening routines? What are maybe the first three things you do when you wake up and how those affect the rest of your days and same for the evening right before you go to bed? Well, the morning ones are kind of different. Now that I came post Tony, I, <laughs> I like kind of broke my routine. And so I, before Tony was drinking a lot of four sigmatic mochas, mm -hmm. but I ran through the mocha mix. So I've been drinking tea lately, interestingly, and not having as much four sigmatic. And then I used to have a lot of carob chocolate. I love carob chocolate in the morning. And I ran out of the bar. So I <laughs> lately, but normally in the past, it was like mochas and chocolate. And I've been lately loving waking up at like 4.30 and taking some online classes. What have you been taking classes in? It's really weird, but it's an ascended master named Adamus at crimsoncircle.com. Oh, cool. Yeah. What's your favorite part of your life right now? <laughs> you know what I heard? Hmm. The ability to be myself. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. You know, one of the things I'm noticing, even just doing this interview with you is that in the past me and the Abraham side or whatever, it was like, so about alignment. And I mean, honestly, like I said, guys, you can get everything you want with you. Like do it. Like, please don't look at me and go, Oh, she's sick of it. Don't do it. No, it's totally worth doing. But what I like now is I think I'm allowing myself more strata in the emotional sphere. Hmm. I'm allowing myself to be more in my ego if my ego's showing up, or I'm allowing myself to be more out of alignment if my if my no resistance. I'm not trying so hard. Yes, yeah. I will say that the no mind phase 
one of the good things out of that is that I started legalizing all feelings. Cool. Not that Abraham ever told me not to legalize any feelings at all. It was just kind of the intense interpretation. And then kind of like with that, my body and how much I would botch that up by trying to be like this ridiculous body that had ridiculous rules so that it would be impossible for anyone to deny. I kind of went overboard a bit, I think, on trying hard yeah. about appointment. I'm trying less. Yeah. And I'm allowing more. I'm allowing more feelings and more ego and more anything. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Greatest lesson on creativity. You don't have to try so hard. I think people are trying way too hard to be creative instead of just letting it come through them. Yeah. Greatest lesson on entrepreneurship. You don't have to try so hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think people are trying so hard. Yeah. I guess maybe I'm finally hearing that you don't have to effort or strive at this phrase I've gotten for six months. I think that again, if you have alignment in you towards why you're doing it, you will be pulled rather than pushing yourself. Mm. So good. I want to like write down some of the things you say all the time. <laughs> Best thing you've eaten in the last week. I'm hearing the chocolate mocha. So maybe that was it. The four sigmatic mochas that I had before I ran out. I also really like the pumpkin toast at the coffee shop outside of the Tony Robbins event. Oh, that sounds good. Okay. This is a fun one. So you're, you're trapped on a deserted Island. You can only bring with you one book, one movie, one TV show, one food, and one outfit. What would you bring? Okay. Go one at a time. Okay. Book. I don't even know. Maybe the power of now. Movie. I went through a phase where movies weren't really interesting. I don't know. I probably wouldn't watch it. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like you don't need one. Well, <laughs> what am I going to do? That? I'm just going to sit there waiting for turquoise to come. <laughs> well, we'll we'll skip TV show then too. What about music? I used to like '80s music a lot. Lately, I I haven't been listening. Okay, "Let It Be" by the Beatles or "Higher Love" by the version of "Higher Love" by James Vincent McMorrow such a good version but probably the beatles let it be food carob chocolate an outfit that you feel most yourself in or that you love oh. yeah like i have these pair of holy jeans from old navy that are somewhere in someone's basement in michigan and i want to go find <laughs> them badly so i want those and like a drapey sweater and a t-shirt like i've been wearing a lot of drapey cozy things lately those are the best ain't got no time for anything yeah <laughs> don't, i'm i'm so with you oh this is kind of an interesting question so you're also a great interior decorator and that's something that i know in many different phases in your life you've loved and and done a few times so do you have a greatest lesson on home design or decorating or advice let go of what's no longer serving you. Mm, that's a good one. Yeah. Okay. You're having a dinner party and you can invite five people or it could be less or however many that come to mind. Who do you invite and what do you hope that you talk about and what do you not want to talk about? The people. This is exciting. Like I want to take these four people to the island with me. I might go crazy just only having them with me on the island, but it would be Jacob Lieberman, Byron Katie, Eckhart Tolle, and this woman named Amara Smata, who a friend of mine has met and believes is pretty woke up, if you will. So <laughs> I want to have them on there to, I just want to learn from turquoise people. Cause I know I like, I can't force the apple to fall from the tree, but right now it feels really appealing to learn more about how I was just going to say how they think, which is kind of like goes against thinking, but yeah, I just kind of want to learn more about how they experience life. Cool. 
Very cool. Okay, this is a question I ask everyone, but will be particularly interesting for you in the phase that you're in. But greatest lesson on God, spirituality, what do you think <laughs> happens when we die, all of that? What I think happens when, well, the Journey of Souls book is a really interesting read for, I would suggest Audible for it because it's really good to listen to auditorially. It's like a conversational almost book, so you don't need to highlight or anything in it. But it is fascinating and totally changes a lot of people's perceptions of the afterlife. But what I personally believe is that we have many stickers on that sticker paper and it's coming in for the experiences and that each sticker paper, I to my current awareness or beliefs, really it's just beliefs. And I don't know if they're true, right? There's just, these are pure beliefs, but that the sticker papers, I do think there's many lives per sticker paper. And that it's almost like there was this big amalgamous blob that was like source energy. And that it's almost like, if you imagine it almost like a lava pit erupting and there's little drops of it coming out from itself, that energy is always the same as the source. But here's actually my analogy. So it comes from that source and it individuates into these sticker sheets. And then we put on different roles, right? We play these different lives. And sometimes I I get the feeling, I don't know if I'm misunderstanding it, but sometimes it seems like some spiritual teachings or, or people are trying to, to speak to us returning back to the blob. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like to go backwards, to return to source or to return to the phrase I hear a lot is oneness. And What I've encountered through Abraham and through the channel I've mentioned that I like listening to now is like these sources from the non-physical say the idea is not to go backwards. So my analogy, the Just Lively analogy would be (laughs) you take all these ingredients, you make banana bread, like we're banana bread. We're not supposed to go back to being butter and flour and sugar. It's not about returning back to a source, Mm. to a simpler state. But sometimes I feel or perceive that there are sometimes people that the way they put it makes me think I'm supposed to go back to being butter. I'm supposed to go back to being like all of this experience that we've become these unique flavors and variations of banana bread based on our life experiences and all of these things interacting with itself, that it's supposed to go back to oneness. What I have been believing is that the banana bread that we've become based on all these sticker experiences and based on all of this, the oneness is about reemerging to the sticker paper awareness that I do believe in but not in returning back to becoming the original ingredients we came from we all are the same source the same energy the same ingredients but it's not about those ingredients all becoming one again it's about them all growing and expanding so it's like that initial source which was only so big has grown so much larger because of all the individuation and the experiences those individuated aspects have had I don't know after that what comes beyond it, but that's as far as I've gotten so far. And I don't know if any of that's true. It's just my current level of understanding or belief. Cool. And I'm glad that that was recorded because I feel like I need to listen to it all again. Yeah. Basically, it's like, I think sometimes it feels like I get the sense that we're supposed to go back to being butter and flour and sugar. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to return back to oneness. And I'm thinking the banana bread was made for a reason, not that we need to go backwards into devolving the particles to the original state. Yeah. I like that. Like it's forward growth, forward growth and expansion. And it yeah. may be coming back into the physical body a bunch, but I really don't think that most of our energy is necessarily always focused here. I mean, yes, maybe some or most of it, but not all of it. I think that there's definitely a portion of us that's still aware in the non-physical as well. I just want to, as a sticker, 
have the ability to merge with that and experience some of that at the same time, if possible. Cool. Well, as you know, the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So when I ask you that, is there anything that you wished that I would have asked you about that you wanted to talk about that you didn't get to? Or what advice would you have for someone like me kind of going into the the yellow phase of where you were maybe, I don't know, a year ago, two years ago of going into the mind? I think I you let me let it out the whole <laughs> interview. <laughs> I think that the only thing I can say is thank you for letting me let it out. Mm. And also just enjoy it. Like it was not appealing. The turquoisey stuff was totally for me unappealing and uninteresting most of my journey in the last two years. It was there, but it wasn't attractive. It wasn't appealing. It wasn't the source of what I wanted to do next. And I'm really glad I had all the fun that I had in all of the phases that came before this. And I know based on how many phases I've had in the yellow, that I, this could just be a new shade of yellow I've never been in before. Or I, I like to call it like the crusty burnt out yellow, but you know, maybe I'll get to a more gentle burnt yellow than the crusty way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like maybe I'll just like get into like that other phase. It's like the bridging and the accepting, right? Because what I wasn't doing in those few weeks was accepting and allowing and knowing all is well. I was frustrated and annoyed, but I had never allowed myself to feel that way for like two years. So it was kind yeah. of refreshing yeah. to just feel Contrast. what came up and not try to and not try to censor it or not try to change it and to face that fear of too much time and boredom and all that kind of stuff too and realize there's nothing, there's only now. I yeah. have gotten that far. Cool. Well, I've been wrapping this show with this thing that's sort of weird, but I think you'll be down for it. And it's called Let It Out. So we've been ending with a deep breath together. Are you down? Okay. Okay. So inhale. And then we just sigh. <sighs> feels good, right? Yeah. Yeah. Feels good. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, you guys, that was my episode with Jess Lively. Be sure to check out her podcast. She has such a robust archive of content, and I heard that she might be coming back. I don't know. I don't know when. I don't know for sure, but she may be coming back. So make sure you're subscribed. And I'm just so grateful that you're here, that you're listening. If you liked this episode, share it. It's really easy to do so on the iTunes app. All you need to do is click those buttons. There's like three little dots in the right, no, yeah, the right bottom corner. And you can text this episode to a friend and you could just email it to them, but share it. Share it if you like listening. Share it on social media. Follow me on social media. I'm Katie Dalebow on Instagram and Twitter and all of the places. I love you. Tell me what you want to see more of. Tell me how I can improve. Leave a review or rating on iTunes. That really helps out a lot. And subscribing on your device also helps out a lot. Thank you again for supporting the sponsors. That means so much to me. Organifi and Four Sigmatic are products that I genuinely love and use. That's the only reason why I partner with brands is to share about things that I genuinely love and bring you guys discount codes. I hope you enjoy those. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The emoji for this week's episode is, okay, I had to think about it, but it's the yellow sparkles, like the three yellow sparkles. I think we maybe have used that one before, but I don't care. It reminds me of 
where Just Lively is in this episode. So use those three yellow sparkles and tweet it at her or comment on her Instagram and on my Instagram, tag her. Let us know that you're still listening to me all the way at the end. Have a great week. I'll talk to you next week with a brand new episode. I'm so appreciative that you're listening all the way to the end. Thanks again. Hopefully you're enjoying your summer. You guys are doing something fun. Let me know what you're doing. I would love to hear in the listener Facebook group. The link to that is in the show notes. I'll talk to you guys later.